You know, if 2020 was a hula hoop, it'd probably be just a roll of barbed wire, wouldn't it? <laughs> what we've been doing last several weeks, we've been walking through the Gospel of Matthew. You've been jour- journaling uh, through the Gospel of Matthew. And today we're going to park at Matthew chapter 14, verse 13 through 21. Matthew 14, 13 through 21. One, You know, when COVID-19 hit in March of this year and shut down our nation, if I told you then that by November you would have 3,000 gospel conversations surpassing our goal by over 800, would you have believed me? <laughs> and keep in mind, when we were shut down in March, we didn't meet in person for three plus months, yet You've had over 3,000 gospel conversations. That has happened. And what if I told you then, when we shut down and didn't gather for over three months, what if I told you then that you would give away 13,114 boxes of food weighing in at over a quarter of a million pounds of food to nearly 4,000 families? Would you believe me? Well, you've done that already. And we probably are going to give away more. That's not been decided yet. But we look like we may have more to give away this year. And what if I told you that giving away all that food this year would not cost us a penny? Would you believe that? Hadn't cost us a penny. And what if I told you that not only did it not cost us a penny, but we are getting paid to give the food away? Greg House got a call last week from the supplier that gave us the food in September and October. They said, oh, by the way, we're going to send you $1 for every box you gave away just in case you incurred any expenses while giving the food away. Is that not how our God operates? You cannot outgive God. You can't. We can't. What we give away for God never goes away. And that's what the disciples learn in Matthew 14, 13 through 21. I could go through, I could spend the rest of our time and tell you about unmet need after unmet need after unmet need that has met their match through our food giveaway, through what God's done through you this year. It's incredible. So today I want to speak to you on that subject. When unmet needs meet their match. Because that's what's happened through you, the church, in 2020. Unmet needs have met their match. It's exciting to see what God has done through the food giveaway and through our benevolence offering. And you'll hear more about that as we have testimonies and stories to share with you of lives being changed. Well, 2020 is not the first time God has hosted a food giveaway. Way back in Matthew chapter 14, Jesus hosted a food giveaway, one of the first food giveaways of his entire ministry, the feeding of the 5,000. And so I want to read the text, and then we'll unpack it together. So if you're there, say, I'm there. All right, Matthew chapter 14, verse number 13. I'll read through verse 21. You follow along. Here we go. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place. Like Jesus didn't know that, right? I mean, 
and the day is now over, send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we, we, we have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Heavenly Father, my favorite part of the week is enjoying your word with your people. And today, that is my heart's desire, that we would enjoy your word together. Thank you for everyone who is in person worshiping with us today. Thank you for every person online that's worshiping with us today. Thank you that we can gather corporately, whether online or in person, and sit under the teaching and the preaching of the Holy Spirit through your holy word. May we be granted repentance today. May we be obedient today in responding to you. We ask it in the name of Jesus and all God's people said... Amen. I want to give you something to take home with you today. It's our takeaway, and I've worded it this way. Jesus has never been met with a need he could not meet. He's never been met with a need he could not meet. And by the way, he's not going to start today. He's not going to start today not being able to meet your need. He's never been met with a need he couldn't meet. And I want to give you some assurance of this truth uh, by way of the feeding of the 5,000. And four assurances uh, that should assure you to know that Jesus has never been met with a need he couldn't meet. Number one, Jesus sacrificed his own needs. You know this, right? Jesus sacrificed his own needs. He humbled himself. He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. He sacrificed his own needs. We see it here in Matthew chapter number 14. Look at verse 13. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place. What is it that Jesus has heard? Has he heard something about voter fraud or no voter fraud? Has he heard something about sports or politics? What's he heard? No, the news that he has received is John the Baptist is dead. The first part of chapter 14, John the Baptist is beheaded. John's disciples take the body. They bury him. Then they go tell Jesus, John the Baptist is dead. And so Jesus then, according to Mark's gospel, gets his disciples and they go to a desolate place. All right? Why do they do that? Jesus knew John the Baptist was not going to be the first martyr of the faith. He knew others would die for their faith. Jesus knew ten of his disciples were going to be martyred for their faith. One, John the Revelator, would be exiled to Patmos and probably die of old age while Judas would kill himself. But he knew that ten of them were going to be martyred for their faith. Jesus knew his death was looming. Now, Jesus' death was not a martyr's death. (laughs) His death was the Savior's death. Huge difference. But he knew death was looming. And so he wanted to encourage his guys, get them together, prepare them. Because he is about to leave the keys of the kingdom in the hands of these men. And he knew he better get them ready. So they go for rest, to reflect, to mourn, to grieve. Jesus wept. He was hungry. Why is God needing to weep? And why is God hungry? Here's why. He's 100% man. He's 100% God. In the whole mystery of the gospel, somehow, some way, he's both 
and. And he did that. He put on flesh in order to identify with you and identify with me. You know, one of the great things I took away from seminary is I can remember one of our professors being transparent enough to stand before our class and say to us seminary students, and and he was a tough professor, and he had a moment of transparency, and this is what he said. He said, you know, the only difference between me and you is I'm just further down the road than you are. I, I was sitting in the seat you're sitting in. I took this same class. I went through this program you're going through. I had the same demands. I went through the doctorate program like some of you will go through. And what was our professor doing? He was identifying with us. He was letting us know there is life after cemetery. I mean, not cemetery, seminary. (laughs) There's life after seminary. Jesus is letting us know throughout all the Gospels that there is life after the cemetery, (laughs) that there is life after this life. That this life is not all there is. That we have a home, a heavenly home. We're sojourners, we're strangers, we're exiles in this land. So Jesus put on flesh, he mourned, he grieved, he wept, he he was hungry. All the things we experience, yet he did them without sin. Tempted in every way, yet without sin. Lived perfectly, died in our place and instead of us. Why? For the purpose of identifying with us. That's why he did that. Now, if Jesus, God in the flesh, needed to rest and reflect, don't you think we need to do so as well? Don't you think so? So what do you need today? I pray the Holy Spirit would bring those needs to the surface of your heart. That's my prayer today. That the Holy Spirit would clearly point out the needs that you have today. Maybe it's a need to grieve and mourn. Maybe it's a need uh, to serve in this area or that area. Maybe it's a need to give something away. Maybe it's a need to surrender to the Lord. Maybe it's a need to be saved. I don't know what it is, but I pray the Holy Spirit will let you know what it is. Jesus was self-aware. I pray we'll be self-aware today and understand we have some needs that are unmet and they don't have to stay that way. For Jesus has never met a need he couldn't meet. And so Jesus, notice what happens as he takes his own needs and sacrifices them. The crowds come, and we're told in verse number 13. They come on foot to the towns, verse 14. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them. He's moved with pity for them. He is stirred in his innermost being by the compassion he has for this crowd. He sees their need. He sees they're hungry. He sees they're sick. He sees their need healing. And he's moved by that so much so that he takes his own needs and he pushes them to the back burner and then focuses on everybody else's needs. Jesus doesn't tell the crowd to get lost, does he? He tells them to get saved. Amen? He doesn't tell them, leave me alone. He tells them, hey, through me, you'll never be left alone. He doesn't tell them to be gone. He says, through me, you belong. He doesn't tell them to get out or get away or go away. He says, y'all come in. This is how you get in. Don't exit, but enter the kingdom of heaven. This is how you do this. Jesus is not pushing them away. He's not writing them off. He's writing them in. He's not telling them to disappear. He's telling them, you don't have to despair anymore in me. He's not telling them to hurry up and hightail it. He's telling them to hold on to hope. He's not telling them to take a hike. He tells the crowd to take heart. 
He meets their needs. This is who our Lord is. This is what Jesus does. Jesus doesn't give up on us. Praise God, church. Jesus has not given up on us. He gave himself up for us. Amen? Gosh, I get excited. I don't know about anybody else. Was this fair to Jesus at all? Was any of this fair? Was it fair to Jesus to pray, My Father, if it be possible, may this cut pass from me, not my will, but your will? Was that fair? No, it wasn't fair. It wasn't fair for Jesus to take your sin on himself and take my sin on himself. But that unfair situation did not release Jesus from his responsibility to obey the Father. And church, that's a strong lesson for us. Unfair situations that we find ourselves in in no way releases us of our responsibility to be obedient to the Father's will. It does not release you. Just because your spouse is not loving you the way he should, in no way does his performance release you from submitting to him. And in no way does your wife's not submitting to you, husband, release you from your responsibility to love her as Christ loved the church. Just because it's unfair doesn't mean you're released from your responsibility. Jesus takes his needs and he sacrifices them in order to meet somebody else's needs. I'm convinced this morning, convinced that one reason there's so many unmet needs in our hearts and in our lives and in our families and in our nation is because we are unwilling to sacrifice our own needs to meet the needs of others. That is the gospel. So if you're going to have that gospel overflow into you, you better start sacrificing your own needs to meet the needs of others. We don't do a good job of that, but praise God, Jesus has done it for us. Amen? Number two, here's why it is so important to know that Jesus has never been met with a need he couldn't meet. Number two, Jesus sees the needs around us. The disciples could not see the real need here. They couldn't see it. Yes, the crowd is hungry. Anybody could see that fifteen to 20,000 people are hungry. But there's a deeper need here. And so look what Jesus does in verse 15. So here we go. And when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place. That means it's a deserted place. It's an isolated place. It's wilderness. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a desperate, deserted, desolate place. A state of isolation. There's no food here. There's no Taco Bell all night here. There's no IHOP and, and there's no Waffle House. There's nowhere to get food. There's no grocery stores. There's nowhere to get food. It's desolate. It's deserted. The demand is huge. You've got all these people hungry and they don't have any food. And so the disciples say, hey, this is a desolate place. I, I don't know if you've come here today and, and you're in a desolate place. Maybe your marriage is in a desolate place. Maybe your relationship with your student or teenager is in a desolate place. Maybe your finances are in a desolate place. Maybe your health is in a desolate place. Uh, maybe you find yourself today in an isolated, deserted, desolate place. What encouraged me this week through, th through the Gospel of Matthew is, yes, the crowds are there, the disciples are there, but Jesus is also there. <laughs> Jesus is in that desolate place with them. He is there with them, and he sees the needs around them. Yes, he sees the crowd is hungry. He knows that, but there's an even deeper need. Watch this. 
This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Verse number 15. Send the crowds away. This is the disciples' recommendation. Let's just send the lost people away. Let them fend for themselves. Let them meet their own needs. How many of you know you can't meet your need? How many of you know that? You can't do it. You can't do it. So he said, hey, send them away. Let them go get something to eat. Let them go to the villages. Let them fend for themselves. But Jesus said, verse 16, they need not go away. See, that's the real need. The real need is that the crowd needs not go away. That's the real need. The crowd doesn't need to go away. Here's the real need. You give them something to eat. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Excuse me? (laughs) Yeah, you give them something to eat. Jesus saw the real need. Yes, the crowd is hungry, and yes, that's a real true need. But the disciples, and they're trying to build a case, and that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to build a case to not do ministry. Oh, my heavens, let it not be said of us. Let us not be the church It says, oh, I just want things to go back to normal. Until it does, we won't do ministry. Let it not be said of us that, oh, 2020 is keeping us from doing ministry. Hey, we're giving 2020 way too much credit to keep us from doing ministry. We've got the Holy Spirit of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the the inerrant, infallible word of God. Man, in no way. Should we try to build a case to stop doing ministry? Jesus' vision, you understand, is far greater than 2020. He's got far greater vision than 2020 vision. He sees through 2020, beyond it, in it, above it, below it. He sees way past it. I was encouraged. Dale Murphy's my favorite baseball player of all time. And I was so encouraged to see, hear him tweet out about Freddie Freeman winning the MVP for the... National League. That was just such an encouraging word to hear in a very dismal year, right? Wasn't it just good to hear some good news? And man, I just started thinking, wow, we have we have Jesus, much much greater than Dale Murphy, and much greater than any MVP, and much greater than any baseball player. And here's Jesus throughout His Word, time and time and time and time again, making promise after promise and reminding us that He is the one who meets our needs. That He has never been met with a need He couldn't meet. And the way he does that, he sees all the needs. There's not one need that escapes the Lord. He sees them all. That's why he can meet them all. He knows them all. He knows them all before we even know them. He sees the needs around us. And look what he tells them. You give them something to eat. Jesus understood that the far greater need for the disciples was for them to give, not to get. Yes, if you're lost, you need to get saved. Yes, but once you're saved, your far greater need now is not to get something, it's to give something. Our need to give is far greater than our need to get. One of the greatest stories of Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes. By the way, these boxes, each one of these boxes that you see here, each one of them are full of of needs that are about to be met. You know that, right? The miraculous stories that come from these shoeboxes are amazing. God knows every little finger on every little hand of every little child that's going to pull something out of this box and it's going to meet a real need. Ultimately, salvation is the gospel shared with each one of them. But these boxes, when you look at these boxes, what you need to see are needs that Jesus is meeting. And he's meeting them through you. That should encourage you. 
See, one of the stories I love about Operation Christmas Child, we had a lady come share several years ago, and she received a box as a child, and then as she grew up, she went to work for Samaritan's Purse, went to work for Operation Christmas Child, and she was able to deliver boxes, and she was talking about delivering one particular box to this, to this village, and she said what blessed her heart were the children would just take what's in their box, and they would just share them with everybody, all the other kids. All the kids would open the box and just share everything they had. They'd just share it all. That looks a lot different Christmas morning in our house, doesn't it? <laughs> Not a lot of sharing going on. But they would share everything in the box. And this one little boy opened this packet of candy that was in his box. He saw that shiny roll of candy, and he was just amazed by that. He couldn't wait to share it with his buddies. And in his eyes, locked with this lady's eyes, and he wanted to give her some of that candy. So he started walking towards her, and she acted like she didn't see him and try to ignore him and try to move around him so he couldn't get to her because she didn't want to take his candy. I'm not going to take candy from a child that's never really had candy before. And then the Lord grabbed her heart. Said, this little boy has never had anything new to give away. So don't you dare steal the blessing of him giving you his candy. Don't you dare steal that blessing from that child. You take that candy from him. He's giving it to you. See, God knows our greater need. Yes, salvation is our greatest need. But beyond that, far greater is our need to give than our need to get. So Jesus sees all these needs around us. And that leads us to our third assurance that Jesus is sufficient to meet needs through us. That's what these boxes are. Jesus is meeting needs through you. That's what these are for. These are meeting needs. And God's doing it through you. God did it through his disciples. He continues to do it through his disciples today. Notice what he tells them. He says, you give them something to eat. And look at their response. Verse number 17. Jesus is sufficient to meet needs through us. So look at verse 17. Then he said to them, or they said to him, we, we have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down. And how he ordered them to sit down was communicating to him, we're about to eat something. Okay? Reclining in, in, in the grass, getting ready to eat. And they knew what that meant. And he took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven, he said a blessing, and he began to break it. And, and the, the, the Greek here said he continuously broke it. He never stopped because it just kept multiplying. He just kept breaking it, just kept multiplying. And so he, he continuously broke the bread. Then he gave it to the disciples, and the disciples gave it to the crowds. So what they gave them, what it started out was, was a little, a couple of sardines and some crackers. Not, not, even, not even a snack you'd get on an airline flight. Right? Not even an airline meal. This was a very small amount of food. Not even a snack pack. Not even a, a, what you would have at lunch. This was this little boy's lunch. And this little boy brought his Arabic appetizer to Jesus. And he just transforms it into the, the Bible's bottomless brunch buffet. I mean, it just exploded and kept going and kept going and kept. They even had leftovers. The leftovers was more than they had when they started. So Jesus took this little boy's Hebrew Happy Meal and just multiplied it. And continued to do so. And he used his disciples to give it away. That's how this works. He gave it to the disciples. They gave it to the crowds. And then they collected the leftovers and gave them back to Jesus. How does all this happen? The disciples released what they had to Christ. They figured out what they had. They gave it to Jesus. They brought it to him. They put it into his hands. What did God do with a slingshot and five stones? Now I've often wondered why did he need five stones? Why did David need five stones? 
There's only one to kill Goliath. An old, old pastor said it like this, uh, that, that he had five stones because Goliath had four other brothers. He's going to take them all out, right? Well, he just needed one stone and one slingshot. What did he do with Moses' staff? That one staff, he brought miracle after miracle and overthrew the greatest emperor of that time. This is what God, he takes what we have, and when we give it to him, when we release our resources to him, he is sufficient to meet needs through us. That's what he does. Let me tell you, this year has been, on the one hand, it's been awful. On the other hand, it's been amazing. Our benevolence offering, I'm telling you what, y'all have stepped up. And gone above and beyond. Last year, for example, not 2019, our benevolence offering for the year given to benevolence was $21,000. Great benevolent offering. We were able to help 148 families with that money plus some budget money we had for benevolence. This year, we've helped nearly 200 families so far. We've not touched any budget benevolent money because you've given $67,000 to benevolence and God is meeting needs through that. We've got a baptism coming up because of a benevolent offering that you gave. And she heard the gospel and believed and she's going to be baptized. I mean, this is how this works. Through you, God meets need. Unmet needs have met their match when it comes to Christ. And so you, you say, I know this already. Why are you telling me this? Right? I mean, some of you have been a believer a long time, a lot longer than I have. So you know this. So why am I reminding you of this? Why do we need to be reminded that Jesus is sufficient, that he's, that he's enough? Why do, we need to know, why do we need to always be reminded of the gospel? Why do we need to be reminded that Jesus is sufficient to meet needs through us? Take your Bibles, go right, go over to Matthew 15. Matthew 15, verse 32. Matthew 15, verse 32 through 38. Matthew 15, it shouldn't be too very far from where you are in Matthew 14, so verse 32 through 38, if you're there, say I'm there. Here we go. I'm going to read this. You hang in there with me. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry. Now, why would Jesus say I'm unwilling to send them away? Why would he have to say that? Because remember, this is not their first rodeo. This is the second time they've been in this situation. The first time they were in this situation, the disciples' recommendation was God send them away. So before they can even utter that recommendation, the Lord says, I'm not sending them away. He just goes ahead and handles that from the beginning, lest they faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, verse 33, Matthew chapter 15, where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? Now, that's pretty fascinating to me. Yeah, it's a big crowd. It's not as big as the first crowd, but it's a big crowd. And Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? They said, seven. Somebody say seven. Seven. And a few small fish. Somebody say few. Few is more than two. Right? So they have seven loaves of bread and a few small fish. And directing the crowd to sit down on the ground, he, he took the seven loaves and the fish, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were, that's right, satisfied. And they took up seven baskets full of the broken pieces left over. Those who ate were 4,000. Somebody say 4,000. Now, is 4,000 more than or less than 5,000? 
Yeah, probably less than, right? So the first rodeo, here's the situation. They had 5,000 men plus women and children. That would be about 15,000, 20,000 people. So that was the demand. Their supply was five loaves and two fish. The second time, they're in the same predicament, same situation. The, the, the demand is much smaller, 5,000 to 4,000 men plus women and children. And the supply is greater, seven loaves and a few fish. So they have more supply and less demand the second time, and they still don't get it. <laughs> you see that? They still don't get it. We are the disciples. <laughs> How easily we forget the miracles that God does in our lives. How easily we forget the need after need after need after need that God meets. And so we need to be reminded. And, and again, and again. That's why we need the gospel every day. And you need to get up and remind yourself of the gospel every day, every day, every day. This is why we need to be reminded that Jesus is sufficient to meet needs through us. This is why we're just a forgetful people. God is faithful. We're forgetful. That's just the way it is. Here's the fourth assurance that you can know that Jesus has never been met with a need he couldn't meet. Last one, Jesus satisfies the need in us. Back to Matthew 14, Jesus satisfies the need in us. Verse 20 reads this way, and they all ate and were satisfied. That means they were fat and happy. That literally means fatten the cattle. That's what that means, fatten cattle. They were full, they were satisfied, they were fat, and they were happy. Isaiah says, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. Jesus says, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus says, I'm the way. That means he's the salvation. He says, well, how can we know you're the salvation? There's so many other ways out there that people point to. How can we know that you're the way? He says, well, you can trust me. Well, how do we know we can trust you? Because he says, I'm not only the way, I'm the truth. Right? You can trust the truth. You can be sure. You can have assurance that I'm the only way of salvation. And then he says, I'm the life. Another way to say life is I'm the satisfaction. I'm the satisfaction. God has put eternity in the hearts of men, women, boys, and girls. And the only thing, the only one who can satisfy that is Jesus. He satisfies the need in every one of us and in each one of us. Satisfied by Jesus himself. Notice they took the leftovers. Fascinating to me that they ended with more than they started with. Jesus is a giver. He's not a taker. And if you want him to be the difference maker in your life, you have to get to the place where you're a giver and not a taker. I'm convinced when we get to heaven, <laughs> there's going to be this area called miracle leftovers or leftover miracles that we just didn't ask for. This text and so many other texts scream to us that Jesus' supply is far greater than any demand. So ask him. You've got a need today. Ask him to meet it. If it's a need to be saved, ask him. He'll save you. If it's a need to be baptized, be obedient. Ask him for obedience for you to follow through and make that public, and he'll give it to you. If it's a need financially, relationally, if it's a need health-wise, whatever that need is, ask him. 
He is ready to meet any and every need that you have. He may not meet it in the way you think he should, but he'll meet it. Any and every need. Our family went to Dollywood Wednesday last week. Uh, it was on a, yeah, it was Wednesday. It was rain, rain off and on all day. Just rain. So we all got soaking wet. Um, one of our girls, I won't mention who, but one of them got really, really soaking wet. And I know we're the greatest parents in the world. I know that. You don't have to tell me that. Win the parent award every year. But in order to get her dry before we got in the car and drove back, we put her under one of those hand dryers at Dollywood's restroom. I know. Greatest parents ever, right? Put her under. Try to get her a little dry before we got in the car and drove back. Aren't you thankful that our Heavenly Father doesn't require you to be cleaned up before you come to Him? Isn't that good news? The prodigal son didn't go get fixed before he came to the father. He came to the father filthy. That's the only way. We have to come hungry. We have to come thirsty. We have to come filthy. We have to come desperate or we can't come at all. Because that's the only way to get the grace. You can't come with everything fixed and cleaned up and get grace. That's not how grace works. All throughout the scripture, we see accounts like this. Historical accounts like, why are they in here? Are they in here to tell us how great Jesus used to be? To show us what Jesus used to do? No, they're here to tell us what Jesus does. Jesus continues today to do for people what people cannot do for themselves. And what we cannot do for ourselves, we cannot meet our own needs. We can't. Ultimately, that need is met through the Father who gives good gifts, through Christ His Son, the Messiah, the one who has come to make everything new and to complete us. Now, Ironside said it like this, God has never failed anyone yet, and you are not important enough for Him to make an exception now. So today is not going to be the day that Jesus stops meeting needs. It's not going to be today. You're not important enough for Him to stop, for Him to make an exception. Jesus has never been met with a need he couldn't meet. Think about Moses striking that rock. Why did he strike the rock? To bring forth drinking water, right? Why didn't he strike the people? I would have probably struck the people, the grumblers. He didn't strike the grumblers. He struck the rock to bring forth drinking water. God the Father did not strike sinners. I would have struck sinners He didn't strike sinners. God the Father struck Jesus, the rock, in order to bring forth living water. That's the gospel. He satisfies every need that we have. He alone satisfies the need in us. He has never been met with a need he could not meet. So Jesus is bigger than our problems. He's stronger than our enemy. He's greater than any need that we have. So when your anxiety gets arrives earlier and earlier and earlier, when when the burden you're under gets heavier, when the crowd against you seems louder, please know Jesus is bigger, stronger, and greater. He has never been met with a need he couldn't meet. So as you look at your life and you think about your despair diving deeper and the enemy's prowling becomes more sinister, and your family get-together is anything but your family coming together, know that Jesus is bigger, he's greater, he's stronger. He's never been met with a need he couldn't meet. When gospel conversations get stickier, when your heart is bitter, 
when your, when your hardship gets harder, when you hit a wall and you've got nothing left over, please know Jesus is bigger. He's stronger. He's greater. He has never been met with a need he could not meet. When the reasons for you to stress seem larger, when the seasons of rest get smaller, when your valley gets darker, when your trials get tougher, when the mountain in front of you is steeper, when your neighbor living next to you is nosier, just know Jesus is bigger, he's stronger, he's greater. He has never been met with a need he couldn't meet. So who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? That somehow you've decided in your heart and in your mind that you have a need so big that Jesus can't meet it. He has never been met with a need he couldn't meet. Would you stand with me? And I'm going to ask you to do something. If we have any deacons in the room, I'm going to ask our deacons to come forward. If you're a deacon and you're in this room today, I want you to come forward. I want you to come to the front and line up here. And you want to spread out, you can spread out. But I want you to line up right here. All our deacons, if you're in the room and you feel comfortable, please come and just spread out down here. And you can face, you can turn around and face everybody. If you can space out some and... Church, I know you've got some needs. I know you've got some needs. Y'all see these men right here? Y'all see these gentlemen here? These guys would love, they would love to pray with you. They'd love to help in any way they can to get you uh, to the right place to have that need met. These are deacons. They serve the body. That's why they're here. They'd love to help you in any way that they can meet any need that you might have. They know people. They know resources. They would love to pray with you. So I want you to see these guys. Make yourself familiar with them. And after this service, if you want to come speak to one of them or grab one of them, that'd be great. Contact one of them. Listen, I I know you have needs. I'm going to invite you to bring the needs down front. I'm going to invite you to do that. I'm going to invite you to text us and let us know, hey, I need you to pray for this or that. You can text 79969. But I also don't want you to leave here today without bringing your need to Christ. If it's talking with one of these guys, talking with a life group leader, talking with somebody in this church that you already know, feel comfortable with, hey, we're family. That's why we're here. We're here to help each other navigate through our needs and get us plugged in and in the right people and to the right people. And let God do a miracle in our heart and lives. So I'm going to have the deacon stand up here for just a moment as I pray. And we're going to have an invitation and we're going to sing and worship and you're going to respond. Okay? Father, we love you and thank you for this day. We pray in the name of Christ that the people in in, worshiping with us online would text us and let us know, hey, I need to be saved today. Maybe there's somebody at home that needs to be saved. And Holy Spirit, you've made that clear to them. You have stirred their heart and you've helped them realize, hey, I'm lost. I'm not satisfied. Everything I try to do to fill this void in my life is just turning up empty. And I need Jesus. I need the one who can meet and satisfy my needs. And so right now, I pray for anybody at home or maybe even in the room today that would say, I need to get saved. To simply call on the name of Jesus, believing in their heart as we sung a moment ago, that Jesus is the Son of God, that He was raised to life. And if they call upon Him by faith, Grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, they'll be saved. So something simple as, Father, I know I'm a sinner. I pray that you'll come into my life and save me. 
I want to put my faith in what Jesus did for me on the cross. I want to trust him as my personal Savior. Hey, you call upon the name of the Lord. You believe in your heart. You'll be saved. It's time for you. That's the greatest need in your life if you're not saved. So make that decision today. If you've made that decision, you need to be baptized or you need to join this church home. We love having you. You visited for a while. You're like family, so let's make it official. Let us know. You can come toward the front and let us know. Come to these steps. Lay any need that you have at the foot of these steps. You can do that. Uh, You can come to one of these men, one of these deacons, if you'd like, and have them pray with you. You can text us to 79969. We want to give you ample opportunity to respond today because Jesus is ready to meet that need that you think is too big for him to meet. Father, we love you and praise you. Have your way in this invitation as we worship you.